You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Here we go. I have a bad feeling about this. Follow me, boys! You're not shinies anymore. Go, go, go! everybody and welcome back to another episode of the clone wars strikes back this is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the sixth year history of the emmy award-winning animated series star wars the clone wars by discussing each and every episode and episode arc we've got a great show for you this week that great duology from the end of season three with ahsoka teaming up with chewbacca we're gonna talk about it all tonight on the Clone War Strikes Back. First introductions. My name is Dominic, and joining me, as always, is my good friend Kieran. Good evening, Dominic. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. How about yourself? I am absolutely buzzing. I'm glad to be talking about these two episodes in particular because I feel like, while it's it's a shame that we're coming up to the end of such a grand finale, I guess, to season three and to, to the to the end of season three in general, just talking about the Mortis, the Night Sisters, and the Citadel arc. I feel like this was the peak when it came to just a, a number of amazing arcs, and this is certainly within that category. Cannot wait to talk about this arc. Yes, absolutely. And, and joining us to help discuss this arc, we've been trying to get him for a long time. He's a hard man to pin down. Uh, he is the founder of the Star Wars Underworld and my co-host over on the Star Wars Underworld podcast. It's Mr. Ben Hart. Ben, welcome to the show. You finally got me. You finally <laughs> snagged me. Yeah, I, I had to go chase Ben down with my big butterfly net and like capture him. I used some, some barbecue sauce. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it, all right? <laughs> Calm some, down. Use some barbecue sauce to lure him in right into the right place and then just got him. Yes, I am so glad to finally be on this show. Can't wait to talk about Clone Wars. I don't get to talk about Clone Wars much anymore. I mean, I did it back on IPC a few months ago, but now it's just like, ugh, I, you know, I love this show so much. So I can't wait to talk about it. Yes, yes, absolutely. So let's get into it. Uh, we're talking Padawan Lost and Wookiee Hunt. Kieran, do you have the episode descriptions for us this week? I do indeed, kicking off with Padawan Lost. Ahsoka and a group of abducted younglings find themselves trapped on a Trandoshan moon, prey in an elaborate and cruel hunt. The forlorn younglings have lost all hope. Despite the best efforts of their spirited leader, Khalifa, Ahsoka rallies them to defend themselves and strike back against the Trandoshans, an effort with deadly consequences. The next episode, Wookiee Hunt. As Ahsoka and her youngling allies struggle to evade the Trandoshan hunters, their efforts receive an unexpected boost when a new captive, Chewbacca, arrives. Yes, yes. So this, this as we mentioned, these, this is the uh, season three finale, wrapping up what was really a, a great season, especially the second half. Uh, why don't we just start by, by giving our overall impressions of this episode arc, and, and maybe if they've changed since we first saw these back in 2011. So, uh, Ben, you're the guest. Why don't you go first? 
Yes. Um, saying that I was back in 2011, it's now 2014, kind of blows my mind <laughs> yeah. um, that it was this long ago. I yet. Think about how much has changed, right? Like, th- after we saw these episodes, we're like, man, can't wait for that season four trailer. <laughs> now we're sitting around going, man, can't wait for that episode seven trailer. Oh, my God. It's it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I just got re- – I just today got the chance to watch both the episodes. And, oh, man, I mean, it's still fantastic. The animation is beautiful. I mean, some of the best so far. I, I honestly think some of the best overall the series in this thing, especially on this moon – where they go to, and it's just fantastic. And getting Ahsoka off on her own and, and having to take the lead in this. And, of course, Chewbacca. I think they did Chewbacca a world of good with this thing. I really they, – they did him justice with this arc. And, you know, because you have characters like that. It was like, Chewbacca? How are they going to fit him in? You know, it seems kind of gimmicky, but I think they really did a good job, and they animated him superbly. Um and overall, just a great little, you know, season finale. And, those, and then there was, you know, back in the day, there was some like, oh, is this really season finale material? But I think these were really two great episodes to kind of top off some, you know, this past, these past several episodes. The second half of season three, in my opinion, is one of the best runs the show ever had. I mean, just some incredible episode after incredible episode. Yeah. And this really topped it all off with these episodes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's one of those uh, one of those runs that not only is it the best in the in the series, it's possibly one of the best sort of consecutive strings of episodes in sure. television, just in general. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, Kieran, how about how about you? What what were your overall impressions of of the of this arc, and have they changed at all? I I definitely have to echo the thoughts of of Ben there. I think that there were th- this arc in particular was just. A, a great way to to cap off what was a fantastic second half of season three of the Clone Wars. I mean, I don't understand why some people would say that this wasn't actually finale arc material. I mean, it delved into the character that really has has been a common thread throughout and, and common theme throughout the Clone Wars, and that and that's Ahsoka's story. And I think it was actually quite apt that we were to end the season with focusing on her character in particular, but also the relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin, which I'm sure we'll delve into within this roundtable here. And, I mean, I, I definitely like that that last image of, of Ahsoka and Anakin just walking away into the distance. And um, I think it was, it was a nice juxtaposition to what we saw at the beginning of Season 2 at the end of Holocron, Holocron Heist, uh, you can see Yoda's reaction is is completely different, um, as he seems quite pleased about how their relationship is brewing, and and that's a culmination of this arc. Really, you finally get to see Anakin is starting to to comprehend and accept that Ahsoka is developing as more than just a Padawan, but she's becoming a Jedi Knight, and I think that was something that was was very explicitly stated in this episode, among other things, as Ben has alluded to, Chewbacca as well. What an addition to this arc, I have to say. And Peter Mayhew, he he may not have been actually in the costume, but he did a lot of work behind the scenes to help this character come into fruition. And all I can say is bravo, Clone Wars team, for, for getting him in. And actually, it really, really works when it came to the introduction of his character. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll echo what you guys said. It's it just such a such a great arc. Um, so well done. Such great stuff with Ahsoka, and and Chewie was perfect. They hit. They 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 perfected everything about Chewie, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And and just like you said, Ben, it had the potential to be gimmicky. It could have been really gimmicky. It could have been like, and here's Chewbacca, and he doesn't do anything. Uh, instead, it was a great arc. You know. They did mention his name a little bit more often than they normally do with the characters. But, you know, he, there wasn't any sort of, you know, there weren't any lame jokes about, you know, flying falcons or anything. You know, it was yeah. Chewbacca was in this story and he served a purpose in this story. And it, it just really worked great. And I, I love the uh, love that they established this connection between these two characters. And I don't know, maybe maybe Chewie helped uh, helped Ahsoka uh, work undercover or maybe Ahsoka helped Chewie for a while and uh in the time between episodes three and four and who knows there's, there's it opens the door for so much potential uh down the line yeah but uh, well let's jump into the first episode and let's kind of just go right after this whole idea of this trandoshan hunt and you know anytime there's a star wars animated series whether it's clone wars or rebels or even you know, to an extent when detours was, was happening, um, everybody goes, Oh, it's a kid's show. It's a kid's show. Yeah. I don't know many kids shows where they basically have people hunting other people for sport. This is a really dark concept, a really brutal one too, of, you know, these Trandoshan characters getting pleasure out of just murdering other other species you know and you know, it's not just aliens and there are obviously there are humans in there as well it's 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 really it's a creepy concept and uh, yeah, this is uh this is a these are a couple whacked out episodes i mean if you consider the whole premise of it i mean it's based on loosely on the most dangerous game mm-hmm. where and i which i have never seen but um <laughs> you know i can you know take from it that you know, this is something they, they just capture random people across the galaxy and bring them here and hunt them down like they're animals. I mean, literally. I mean, yeah. this is sadistic. these guys are sadistic. Yeah. And um, I love, I, just real quick, I love how they portrayed the Trandoshans where, yes. you know, the only one we've seen is Bosk. <laughs> and, you know, in Empire Strikes Back, he's just kind of there. He has a couple, you know, grunts or whatever. Um, they they keep they keep toes. their you know yeah to keep with the you know the in a sense a kid show you know being able to reach out to kids and not have dialogue you know not have a uh, translated throughout the whole thing <laughs> that would be kind of hard. They keep their dialogue, but they also keep these great you know these great sound effects with their their growls and stuff like that, which I love. I'm um, very creepy also. Um, but just the whole premise of this, just, you know, like, you know, and it's very brutal how they kill some of these characters. Um, It's like, uh, is this a kid show? I don't think so. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. I just, just, you know, the way they hunt them and sort of the, the rituals around it and this idea of, you know, that one Trandoshan, you know, needing his first Jedi kill. And, and the fact that they're able to capture Jedi is, is, is creepy in and of itself that they're, they're going after these younglings. I mean, Kieran, what did you think of, of this whole hunt and the going after the Jedi younglings and, and all that? Yeah. As you guys have said, I think the apt word to use is, is dark. It was very haunting to be honest, particularly as People would label this show as a kid's series. Well, I don't think you can say that after watching these episodes. Um, I think it was extremely, extremely dark. 
And I feel like that whole, uh, the ritual, I guess, particularly the initiation of that young Dar becoming this, this, the son of the leader who was going to kill his first Jedi, it seemed like an initiation. I mean, a bit like... The, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys have uh, experienced any initiations at university. It was a bit like a fraternity more than anything. <laughs> That's kind of the impression that I got with that, you know. I, don't know, I, mean, I got more of a cult feel, it. but, you know, <laughs> fraternity, cult, same difference. Yeah, well, you know, similarities, differences. I think, I think there was a lot more um, similarities, I guess, with a cult. But uh, <laughs> I guess I guess related to my current situation at uni, that's that's what I could relate to, you know, with the <laughs> old fraternity side of things. Yes. But and was, and uh, my situation being a member of many cults, I can obviously relate. To, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so in that respect, I do think that it was, yeah, it was, I mean, it was very, very cruel and dark particularly the way they were hunting those jedi i mean obviously the concept of them hunting hunting these jedi and, and, and pursuing them just for sport i mean i mean they also went around the different planets to go and acquire these jedi and they it seems quite far-fetched to go all the way out to these distant planets just to you know collect some jedi and i mean that whole premise in itself is just so so haunting more than anything else and i think another couple of things to mention about the trend oceans as well was that it was it was good to see how the animation had advanced a a lot particularly at the end of season three if you were to compare the look of these trend oceans to bosk as we see in the end of season two they look so much more detailed in their design i think um and i think that is very very effective in making them look so much more creepy and 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 also just so brutal and 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 quite savage i think you do get that animalistic image and i think it comes out very well in these episodes um and also i think that i don't know about you guys but it it gives me the impression that trandoshans in general as a species are quite like this. I mean, we've seen Bosk now. We see these group of Trandoshans. I mean, I know that not all species are exactly the same, but I mean, I just look at Trandoshans and I think these are just some nasty, malicious guys here. (laughs) And I wouldn't want to be having them on my contact list if I was in trouble, to be honest. I think uh, maybe I don't want them as my friends. I, I generally think that they are just in general, it seems as a species, quite sadistic, malicious, snipey and, and and vindictive i don't I, I i don't think that there's too much that separates them in terms of characteristics between <laughs> one individual trend ocean and another unlike say the toydarians i, I mean obviously we see watto as the junk dealer and then we see the the politician and the, and the and the king toydarian um but i don't know if that's quite the same with trend oceans i think they're all just evil and malevolent <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's we'll general generalize all Trandoshans in in this case. No, we're I, gonna get to some complaints from Trandoshans now. Yeah, Trandoshan activists. Um, yeah, well, you can send any complaints to my email, which we'll reveal at the end. Yes, <laughs> you should tweet tweet them at, at cduggan six. Just spam them with that. Um, but yeah, well, let's let's talk about those Jedi younglings. That, there we have Khalifa, o- Omer, Omar. I, how how does his name pronounced? O- Omer. Omir, I think, Omir? or something like that. Um, something. You know how names are in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna call him Omar. Um, <laughs> well, that's, that's close. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Omar, um, and then um, and then Jinx. Um, these are sort of the Jedi younglings that have been there. They're not they're not even Padawans yet. They're, these are younglings, so they were, you know, these were the guys that were hanging out with uh, Master Terrace and Ube, probably um, probably in the same class as as Petro and and Gunji. Um, we'll, 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 we'll later later meet in the uh, the younglings arc in season five, uh, and they're off on their own, and they're really getting sort of the the ultimate hands-on Jedi training being in, uh, um, being in, being in this most dangerous game for lack of a better term. So I'm yeah. um, Kieran, what, what did you think of, of Khalifa, Omar and, and Jinx? I definitely think they were an interesting trio, to be honest. I think Khalifa stood out more than all of them. And that's probably mm-hmm. because she had more, a lot more lines than most of them, <laughs> if anything else. But no, I think she's she, definitely she the leader. Yeah, exactly. She was the leader before Ahsoka had arrived, and yeah. I think she was certainly more outspoken, and you can see why she was the leader in that respect. Um, I definitely liked her line when she alluded to the fact that when Ahsoka had arrived there, and Ahsoka was, in, in a sense, trying to you know, boss her around and, and, and instruct <laughs> her about what plan to create, she was like, well, you'll learn you know, wisdom through experience, and I think that for a youngling, she was very, very advanced in her, um, as we said, experience, and, and and she was very prudent individual more than anything else. Yeah, she and was definitely she was definitely kind of forced to grow up by this this yeah. whole experience. You know, she's wise beyond her beyond her years because of you know being hunted by Trandoshans will do that to a person. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can understand as well their perceptions when they don't necessarily want to go out and fight. They've been in this situation, an ordeal, for goodness knows how long. Um, and they probably just feel like giving up, to be honest. When Ahsoka's <laughs> there and, and she's saying, let's go and hit them head on. Let's go and hit their fortress. She's like, no, that's just suicide. I mean, she's seen how many Jedi have been killed. I mean, that, that scene at the in the midpoint of the first episode when those, those two Jedi that uh, Ahsoka was talking to when she was captured... You know, they get shot down pretty quickly, and even though when they try to run, they still get sniped out very, very rapidly. And you do you do feel for them as well. I mean, if they've been in a situation for, you know, I don't know how long, maybe you know, it, it may even if it was only months or days, it may seem like a lot longer when you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do understand exactly where they're coming from, and I mean, I, I think some some of these characters might have irritated irked a couple of fans who are watching but i think you do have to understand the situation that they're coming from more than anything else i mean if they've been struggling here for as i said goodness knows how long then of course they're going to be feeling like it's time just to hide evade the trend oceans not to hit them head on that's not a wise move at all no and it takes a character like ahsoka to come in there and actually bind them together and actually draw the strength muster the muster them, rally them together to actually have the confidence to confront the Trandoshans. And that's what's really good with Ahsoka coming this episode, coming into this episode. But also with regards to the trio, I, uh, rounding that out, I, d- I do think that, that they were very, very interesting characters. And obviously we, we find when we see that uh, poor Khalifu, you know, she gets shot at the end of the first episode, I, I generally was quite moved by it more than anything else because she definitely stood out and yeah, definitely interesting characters. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you see, you know, these characters, you, you, they're conflicting backgrounds between Ahsoka and and them. You're talking about Padawans, not 
younglings. They're not Padawans, like you said. And they may have, you know, rarely, if ever, left the temple, much less seen a day of action. So, you know, their their only, you know, their only instinct is just is just just to survive. Whereas Ahsoka comes from a background, she's been through so many battles, and she's not one to just lay down arms and just hide and wait for rescue. She understands that rescue may never come. You have to act, and so be it. You get killed doing it process. Um, so, you know, she immediately does not agree with their methods, and, you know, ultimately she's right that, you know, they can't just, they would be there for until they died if they kept just running and hiding, and they, they get into this routine up until Ahsoka gets there, where it's just, you know, they, you know, get up in the morning, on the run, they go back, and, you know, just try your best to survive, whereas, you know, no one's looking for them, like they said. Um, so Ahsoka really reignites their, you know, they say, you know, reignites their will to live, will to fight back. And, you know, that's what's great about Ahsoka. That's one of the, you know, this is a very, a bunch of a character growth for Ahsoka and, you know, helps her be a leader as much as she is kind of an underling and a, a Padawan. She comes out as being more of a leader more often than not. Yeah, absolutely, and and you kind of it kind of seems that that's Anakin's influence on her because Anakin always takes up a very proactive uh, stance on just about anything he's doing, yeah. whereas you know the Omar and and Jinx and Khalifa they were taking a, a very passive stance. They were they were running and hiding, and you know it, obviously that's sort of you know that's all they know to do. Like you said, they're Jedi younglings. They they don't have the experience that Ahsoka has, and and it was interesting to see that contrasted and and you know anakin having taught ahsoka really uh gives gives her the the push she needs to to get through this and you know i i'm sort of wondering now you know obviously in this situation i anakin if anakin somehow wound up in this situation he would have done the same thing as ahsoka he would have sort of rallied the troops and got them going i wonder how other jedi would have been in the, this situation I, is this sort of just a uh an age thing like the the younglings they, they they aren't old enough to know better they aren't experienced enough um or like if say obi-wan or kit fisto or <laughs> luminara kieran had been uh stuck in this scenario would they have taken more anakin's approach or would they have taken more of the the younglings approach of sort of we'll, we'll just survive we'll survive and eventually help will come i I think that, you know, I think a lot of Jedi are natural leaders. I think that's one of the reasons they're leading this war is because that they naturally kind of take the lead and want to be in the middle of something. I think that's, you know, something that was talked about back in season two, you know, with, um, you know, Satine's idea of, you know, a a peacekeeper is one to stop the war. And Obi-Wan's idea is that a peacekeeper must be on the front lines in order to bring the bring the battle to a quick end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think that's what the whole Jedi's idea behind all this is that they have things. So if they were in this situation, I think if anyone was really in this situation, a fully trained Jedi or Jedi master, I think they would try to take the lead and, and, you know, um, and try to fight back as much as possible. Whereas, like I said, you know, these Padawans, these younglings are not experienced. They know, no, they know nothing about, you know, fighting or, you know, what it is to, just, you know, they're just, they're at wit's end. They're, you know, things like this. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, things like this happen, you know, in real life, you know, as far as, you know, people are just stuck places 
for long periods of time, and it can drive you insane. Yeah. Um, so they have to deal with this, and they're in their own way kind of going insane and, and not able to just at their wits' end. They can't they they can't figure out a way to get out of this. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I, I like that. Jedi are, are natural born leaders. That's a it's a good way of looking at it. And you wonder, you know, the Jedi that aren't leaders, what they may they may get sort of weeded out as their younglings, or maybe that's something they're forced to sort of instill in themselves. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at the gathering. I mean, I I could none of those kids going in there really seemed like leaders. All of them coming out seemed like they could be leaders. That I yeah. th- that's that's really interesting. That'll be something to revisit when we get to the gathering but let's talk about the death of khalifa let's talk about the death of a young girl oh so it's such a <laughs> wonderful good star wars stories uh that death man that death was brutal because it was it was almost like it was one of those ones where it just seemed like she was, she was just about to be out of the woods and then she got shot in the Back. It was it was a very it was a very Joss Whedon esque death scene. I have to say, yeah, <laughs> it was very. I love the way they do it. It's like yeah. they they you know they kill the other guy, you know his son, and, and, and oh, they're evil. out of the woods and they're yeah. crazy. Everything's gonna be fine. And boom, yeah, boom. and they killed Dar in an equally brutal fashion. I mean, I was watching it uh, just t- today, you know, refreshed for the, for recording this. He fell on like a spike, and there's a shot yeah. where you see it coming out of his gut. It is, it's brutal. There's like two brutal deaths, one right after the other, and and we, you know, this was. I, you wonder, you know, this is, Ahsoka kind of had, if if Khalifa was almost Ahsoka's safety net, like they were, they were obviously the leaders in this situation. Omar and and Jinx were 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 kind of following them and. You know, they kind of relied on each other to an extent. I mean, obviously only knowing each other briefly, but I, I feel like they had some kind of kinship. And then she's gone right away. And so Ahsoka is right back to, like, you know, having nobody. You know, it was almost like – it was yeah. almost cruel. She had – she was on her own. She was completely separated from Anakin and Plo Koon and all the people that normally are there to support her. And then she finds someone else who she's able to find some measure of support in. And then they're shot right away, and then she has to take the lead. But yeah, that was that was a brutal death scene. I mean, Kieran, do you want to do you want to chime in on that at all? Yeah, it was it was particularly brutal. Out of all the deaths we've seen so far, I think those two definitely stand out: with young Dar and and Khalifa. I mean, I as much as those Trandoshans, as I said before, were pretty malign and and malevolent characters. I mean, you could in a way feel for that, that Trandoshan leader. I mean, you've just witnessed your son killed in a quite a brutal yeah. fashion. I mean, that's not me endorsing what he did afterwards, <laughs> but you can see where he comes from. And I think that adds to the episode, uh, adds to the arc in general, actually. It makes it far more complex. It's this grey area. Although we're dealing with seemingly malign and nefarious Trandoshans, they still have the same connections that seemingly our human society does. Their son has just been killed. Of course, he's going to be feeling very indignant and vexed about it as a result. And so you do, in a way, feel for for him more than anything else in that respect, apart from the fact that he's trying to kill all the Jedi. I don't feel for him on that that part. Um, And in terms of Khalifa's death, yeah, I mean, it is. It's very, very sadistic. But I think it adds to the arc more than anything else. I mean, in in a way, her character was a tool 
to enable Ahsoka's character to grow and develop, which sounds a little bit harsh when I'm just saying that someone's death should be construed in that manner. But in a way, it was, though, because her character was never really going to, in my opinion, live past this arc. I know the other two did, um, uh, the two of her kin, uh, but unfortunately, I don't, we didn't see them in the future, and I'm not surprised either. I feel like with Khalifa, it was important, though. Um, I mean, particularly her her own character story, I guess. When when you see her force choking that Trandoshan earlier, with uh, Ahsoka was is in danger and in peril from those Trandoshans. Yeah. And it was quite a dark moment that as well, wasn't it? And you could see that, oh, maybe she's going to come out into the light and then boom, no, she's she's gone. And, and that whole ordeal and, and, and her seeming character growth has just, has just zapped, you know, because there's nothing there anymore because she's gone. <laughs> and, it, and you do feel a little bit sorry for that. But, yeah, it was very brutal. But I do think that Khalifa's death was, was very effective, though. And as I said, I think it added something to to Ahsoka's character really which is important yeah it was it was an important moment for her in this arc it sort of it made her have to really take the lead really be the one who's in charge all right let's 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 talk about it we've been, we've kind of we, we mentioned it a bit at the beginning we've we've talked about some other things but let's get to it let's get to the let's get to the big the big thing the big Harry thing, the Wookiee. Let's talk about Chewbacca. And I just have to say um, how perf- perfect they did this with, with Chewie. Um, they released that clip uh, about a week early where um, Ahsoka first sees Chewbacca and he stands up and you know she goes, it's a Wookiee. And then he, he growls and then he does this little head tilt that we saw Chewie do throughout the original trilogy. And when I saw that, I knew they had perfected Chewbacca because, you know, it's easy to do a, a Wookiee. It could, they could have done the Wookiee. It could have looked just like Chewbacca. But that little touch, just that little mannerism is something that, you know, Peter Mayhew would put into the original trilogy. And they carried it through and that made it Chewbacca more so than, you know, than just calling him Chewbacca or even, you know, the, the phenomenal char- um character model was just pulling that off was, was oh, pulling yeah. off those little mannerisms so uh ben why don't you go first what would you think of chewy in oh this, i this you know, like you said i think they pulled him off perfectly um you know because animation you know i think you know leading up to this i mean dave filoni would joke about oh yeah that'll be the day when we actually do wookies or <laughs> in the rain or something like that was their two biggest things was water and yeah. wookies um and they did both before the series ended um yeah not together, but you know, but yeah, but uh, <laughs> they, they might have. They did, I think they did Wookiees phenomenally. I, I think they, especially Chewbacca, he really is the character model is just so great. And you know, you get that just little things in there, and you know, just the way he moves and the way he, you could definitely tell there is some Peter Mayhew in him, there really is. Um, so they really did great, and just the way they introduced him, the way he's brought there, and just how they. You know, set this up. Like I said, it it wasn't it wasn't as gimmicky as it could have been. So I loved it. And you know, Chewy Chewy is you know, we know he's around in this period of time. So you know, it was it was it was good too. They could bring a character in that's not dead and wasn't cut in half. <laughs> um, they brought a character that's actually alive into this. So that's I I applaud them for doing that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The other thing was they got his, 
his characteristics right. You know, he was he was a, he's a decent fighter. He's a he's a good mechanic, but he's also a bit of a coward. Like when they're they're sneaking around in the uh, down trend ocean ship, you know, Ahsoka's like let's go, and he's like wanting to hang back. He's not ready to go. He's not quite. He's he's a bit of a coward. We saw that in come in here, the you big coward. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Karen, Karen, what did you think of of Chewie in 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 these episodes? It was absolutely fantastic to see Chewbacca introduced into these episodes. I think, as Ben has said there, that it was just the mannerisms and the gestures, just all of it really, the characteristics of Chewbacca were exemplified perfectly. And I alluded to it before, but as I said, bringing in Peter Mayhew, I think, was essential if you're going to bring in a character like Chewbacca, as we will see for episode seven which is not too far down the line i it's important if you're going to bring in a character that has been established and has the 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 much i guess the monumental fan base surrounding him he's 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 an icon he's he's an icon exactly he's an iconic character in the star wars universe and i think that if you're going to bring a character like that into the clone wars then you need to make sure you have everything right behind the scenes because as you said it could appear gimmicky and it could appear a bit of a satirical and uh, and parody i guess to what we've seen in the films and i think that how they did it was was quite quite perfect in a way to be honest i mean we compare them to what we see in say uh, the wookies in rebels at the in that first episode and i think that they definitely got this one in the clone wars right i mean i'm not not to say there's anything necessarily too bad about the rebels but i just think that maybe if they'd introduced the wookies a little bit later in in that in that particular series it might have been a bit more effective but in terms of this arc i do think that everything as you guys have said the characteristics when you see he's a little bit timid and and sheepish about going into that uh, downed Trandoshan ship and I think that they got everything just right and there were some great moments as well I mean for example when when Jedi uh, one of the, one of the Jedi younglings is trying to force you know use the force to find <laughs> trick that Trandoshan and it clearly doesn't work and then Trandu and then sorry and then Chewbacca just hits him in the head you know <laughs> and, then, and then suddenly he gets back on track I mean I think that's something that you would expect Chewbacca to do more than anything else. And and then I think there was another line that said something akin to, we'll do it the Wookiee way. And it's just, yes. <laughs> that reminded me exactly of like episode four, episode five. Um, and I thought it was just, it was just perfect, really. And it was definitely the fitting episode to introduce him and the Wookiees in general. Obviously, we see a bunch of them at the end of the, uh, the end of this arc. And, it's always good to see Chewbacca, let's be honest. And I think that everyone is just delighted that the Clone Wars were able to implement his character as as well as they have done. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's also something, you mentioned his mannerisms about, you know, being kind of sheepish at times, also be kind of, you know, brooding and that kind of muscly guy. I mean, he's he's based on a dog. He's based on, you know, the original yes. character is based on George Lucas's dog, Indiana, which is also, you know, another character. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just love it how, you know, he is like dogs can be like, the dogs can be, you know, big and bad and they're barking and, you know, they're really bad. And they can also be cowards and just run away when they know <laughs> that, you know, you know, they, they don't like the situation. And, you know, you had the, you know, the head cock sideways, stuff like that. I love those little, little things that remind you that, you know, he's, 
Chewie's just a big dog, really. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 the big lovable. He's a big lovable oaf, <laughs> to put it one way. Yeah, he, he was just pulled off so well, and you know, I I would almost love to see a a, a spinoff movie or or mini series or or a series of just Ahsoka and Chewbacca on adventures because that just seemed like so much fun when they were off, uh, you know, doing their right. own thing, trying to survive, um, and they they seemed to get on well, and it just it was it was so well done, and I love that they they made that link between. A beloved character from the original trilogy and you know the star of this series who has gone on to become a, a beloved character and, and they made that link between the two of them and they worked so well together and there's that, that there was that great cover of, of insider of star wars insider with with ahsoka and chewie on the front standing sort of you know with ahsoka leaning on chewie almost in a han solo-esque way it was it, it was so well done i i just absolutely adored it and you know it it, uh, yeah, like I said, I would love to see some, you know, uh, pre-Han Solo adventures with, with Chewbacca and, and Ahsoka. I think that would be so much fun. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe that's where Ahsoka went after she left the Jedi Order. She went over to Kashyyyk and hung out with Chewie for a little bit. <laughs> and then she then she found her way to Mandalore I, somehow. I, to be honest, to be honest, I think that, you know, with her character, the way it, it was left open-ended and, you know, she goes, oh, I can't imagine her not taking advantage of the relationships that she developed through yeah. Lux Bonteri and what's going on on Onderon and, you know, her relationship with Chewbacca. I think that, you know, that would be the most logical thing, you know, when your, you know, your family, as the Jedi Order was, kind of turns your back on you, you go to more people that, you know, think. So I think that would be a great. I, I love just the thought of them going somewhere in a spinoff film, in Rebels, whatever. Just give us something more with Soka. And, and Chewbacca. <laughs> and Chewbacca. And just go off with that. I, I love that. You know, and, and it also, you know, it creates a problem. You know, it can go that way where, you know, oh, everybody knows everybody. You know, oh, Yoda knows, you know, Chewbacca. Ahsoka knows Chewbacca. It's like, is the galaxy getting too small? And I, I don't think so. I, I think that these work. And the fact that Ahsoka, you know, is nowhere to be seen in the movies, at least not yet. Um, so... <laughs> I think it works. I think it, that if you're going to put two characters together, I would prefer it Ahsoka over someone like Anakin or Obi Wan. I think that would that would get a little little too close. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's talk about doing things the Wookiee way. Uh, you know, Chewie tries to get his little uh, radar dish going. It doesn't quite work immediately, but it it, it worked out in the end. Chewbacca's a good enough mechanic that it was able to eventually reach out to Kashyyyk. And then we just get to see Chewie go crazy and beating up the Trandoshans. And it was it was just such some, some great action scenes uh, all, all over the place there. The one thing that was missing was Chewie ripping somebody's arm out of their socket. And there was a great moment where he could have done that. There was that moment where the Trandoshan was holding that knife over one of the younglings. And Chewie grabbed his arm. I was like, <gasps> oh. So close, so close. Uh, you know, and you know maybe. the Clone Wars. They don't. Some they they've had to be. You know, with the you know what happened in uh, season five, I think, where they had the um, Savage cut off all the heads of the guys. Um, they had <laughs> they had that cut out. Actually, Cartoon Network, you know, censored it. Um, I think yeah. I think it will be fun not to just show it, but like it happens and it's kind of off screen, and then you see the arm go flying, <laughs> and he's like ah. 
Well, they were able to, like, in the previous episode, they were able to run a spike through a guy and yeah. shoot a teenage girl in the back. I feel like, come on, an arm being ripped off after that uh, is, is nothing. It's nothing. Um, but then we see Ahsoka uh, face off with the uh, Trandoshan father there in the final scene. Uh, cool confrontation between those two and that, that awesome Easter egg filled uh, Trandoshan uh, hall oh, yeah. there. And they, she phases off with him, and she winds up using the force and, and pushing him over the edge. Um, th- I remember when the episode came out, there was a little bit of debate of, is that a little bit dark side, or was that just pure self-defense? I'm in the self-defense category. Yeah, yeah. But... So, def- I think definitely self-defense. I mean, you could, you know, yeah, maybe she could have, you know, saved his life, but why? Um, he's <laughs> trying to kill her. He picks up a gun, and he's, you know, he's not. Um Kill them all. Do it. Kill them all. Kill all the Trandoshans. <laughs> yeah, Kieran, in self-defense or dark side? Um, I would go along with self-defense. I think it's quite a strange and, and, and I guess striking image that was left when that Trandoshan was left dead on the floor. You just had the encirclement of those Wookiees and the two Jedi younglings just looking up at Ahsoka and I was thinking to myself, I don't, I don't quite understand exactly where. I mean, I, I do understand where the team were going with it, but why was that the case? Because quite clearly, it was self-defense, in my opinion. I think that she'd been through this whole ordeal with these Trandoshans trying to kill her. I, I don't necessarily think it was foreshadowing her becoming yeah. dark or, or the dark side, but maybe it was just a sign of. What she, what she has learned from her master has lended her to, to these particular traits that maybe she doesn't feel as guilty as she should do about these things. She's not as remorseful. That, that was perhaps the only thing I could necessarily gauge from that as being quite, not evil, I don't think that's quite the yeah. right word, but not, not, not following the Jedi dark. principles. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not quite, and... But then again, are the Jedi following the principles anyway throughout this war? So, I mean, who, who are they to be the ones to judge and, Ahsoka you know, in that we, context? We, we've talked about, you know, one of the reasons that she survives all this is because that she probably has a little bit of Anakin in her. And, yeah. you know, that's probably what Anakin... But Anakin would probably go do a lot worse. That was that was very mild. <laughs> Anakin would yeah. have just gone crazy. Um, Anakin would have strangled them to oh, death. Yeah. But, um, and that's also something I wanted to kind of talk about was Anakin's kind of his whole deal with how he how he is dealing with I didn't mean to change the subject but <laughs> no no please go ahead well just have how he's kind of he it's just a whole you know we have to this is prefaced by this is and Ahsoka being his Padawan was a test for him mm-hmm. a by Yoda and we see at the end, you know, that Yoda's kind of pleased by, you know, how this is happening. But he has to go through this, something where he's completely helpless. He can't help her. He doesn't know where he, she is. And she has to stop and go, you know, and Plo Koon's kind of talking. This is like, if, you know, it's Plo Koon's great line, which is, if you have trained her well enough, then she will return to you. She will use your training to survive. And, you know, that's really, it's, it's. Anakin kind of indirectly helping her through that with his training, but he is going just nuts with the idea of he can't help her or whatever. 
Um, I just that's I really love that kind of overarching story in this arc. Yeah, and this arc kind of kicks off sort of the beginning of the end in a way for Ahsoka. We see her that she is now competent at working on her own. This combined with sort of uh, with her vision on Mortis, I think sort of begin her on the path that culminates in the wrong Jedi, where she walks away from from the Jedi Order. I, I think that she this sort of starts her off on that path because you know she had been very. You know, she'd been listening to Anakin. She'd been training with Anakin. This one, at the end of the episode, they almost seem on a on a bit of a, an equal platform, or if not equals, she has learned uh, enough from him that she is able to survive. And you know, now it's just a matter of finishing out the formal training. Uh, and I think uh, Yoda realizes this, and I think Yoda sort of sees the way Anakin reacts in that one moment, and that's why he kind of smirks. He thinks he thinks he's been successful. He thinks this is the beginning of them separating in a good way. Yeah. A little did he know this was going to culminate with her <laughs> turning her back on the Jedi Order uh, and sending Anakin spiraling down the dark path even more so than he already was. Well, I think that I think that I don't know. I think it her his in the end, I think it did kind of work out the way Yoda wanted it to in the sense that, you know, I think we all assumed or everyone was at least speculating that, you know, Ahsoka is going to die in some way, you know, some, you know, terrible form or fashion. Um, <laughs> but that didn't happen. And, you know, because we were all thinking, you know, how is this going to help? This is ended up going to backfire on Yoda because, you know, if you put this with Ahsoka, if you put someone with a, someone else – that Anakin cares about with him, it's only going to make him worse. But he has to choose to let go of her and let her go on, take on her own path. Whereas, you know, if she had died in a very, you know, in a whatever fashion, that would have really set him over the edge. I think that it did it did a good job of sowing the seeds of distrust between him and the and the Jedi. And I don't want to try to jump ahead to season five here, but just saying that you know this, I think it. In a way, it worked out for Yoda, but this is kind of the seeds of that starting in this arc. You have Anakin kind of understanding, they're both understanding that, you know, this is where this is going. And Yoda, you know, you get that little smile. I love there's no dialogue. It's just Yoda just kind of smiling like, yeah, this is where, working out. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see. I, I disagree. I, I, I don't think Yoda's plan was successful because I don't think Anakin succeeded in, in actually letting Ahsoka go. I think, you know, he, he let her go in the sense that he had no choice but he was not happy about it and he was not dealing with it very well as we saw in those uh those crystal crisis yeah, story reels so i i feel like her leaving uh in such a way kind of you know gave him an extra kick down the the dark path but that's 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 again we're getting into season five <laughs> um which i mean is is fair game i mean you know it, it, it does relate to these episodes so um karen do you want to weigh in on this at all <laughs> Yeah, I think it's. I've just been listening very keenly to your points there. It's definitely Ahsoka's path to to leaving the the Jedi Order. I think, in a way, you could argue does there is there is a point in this episode where you think, or in this arc, I should say that uh, yeah, I mean she she she's learning to separate herself from her master. This was a mission that she was able to achieve on her own, and that was something that Plo Koon was. Desperately imploring to Anakin at the end of Padawan Lost, when he was saying in premise that 
she will find her way back to Anakin. He can't do anything. It's his turn to not intervene. Let Ahsoka come back, and she successfully did it. Um, and hopefully, in as you said, in Yoda's mind, he thought, well, maybe this is the time when the distance the distance uh, between the Padawan and Master is beginning to emerge. That's a good thing. It's going to help Anakin not become too attached to anybody or anything. Um, of course, it doesn't add, end up that way. And in spite of what you see in those those Utapau episodes where you see he's quite angry and, and very vexed at the fact that she's left and she's like, oh, she's a disappointment. Well, I... I don't think the he genuinely means what he says in in that respect on, on the surface i don't think that he he's angry i mean he's angry that she left but he's angry because he wants her to be beside him she doesn't he doesn't want any harm to come to her at the end of end of the day i don't think um, maybe we'll see something different when he be, when he is Darth Vader, and if she, and if and when she comes up in Rebels, which I, I yeah. believe she will. Dominic disagrees, but I think she will come up in Rebels. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it will be interesting to see. Hopefully, the progression of her story arc from this. But it was a very, very crucial episode that she was completing this, this quite horrible mission on her own. And it's the own part that's important. You see at the beginning of this arc, she's with Anakin, she's with Plo Koon, she's got that safety, that safety net surrounding her of these two Jedi Knights or, or Jedi Master in Plo Koon and you know, the Chosen One in Anakin Skywalker. She doesn't have that. She's got herself and a couple of younglings. And she's the leader. She has to stand firm and take control. And we see that she's able to do that, which is a major building, building component for, for her character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This this whole arc is just—it's it, one of those—it's one of those arcs, you know. When you kind of chart Ahsoka's growth over the seasons, you know, it's it's this one. Um, It's—I I would say—I would put the uh, the Mon Calamari arc in season three, or season five or four. Uh, of course, the big one at the end of season five, um, and of course, lightsaber lost in there. Um, you know, it, it, these these are all. It's it's growing. It's interesting to look back now and look sort of how Ahsoka has grown up uh, over the the past three seasons now, and and, and where she winds up going. It's it's fascinating to think. Um, so, is is there anything else you guys want to bring up about this arc, or shall we jump into quotes? I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. Well, then, I, let's let's jump into. Uh, Favorite quotes from uh, from this arc. I, I think we should all agree that <laughs> is our favorite quote. Um, um, and if it, so, what we're really doing a second favorite quote. So, um, Kieran, are, are you ready this week, or or, sh- sh- or should I maybe throw it to Ben, or should I go first? I'm always ready. What are you talking about? Oh, you're always about? ready. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a big lie. But yeah. I'll, st- I'll, I'll do one quote from Padawan Lost and then I'll throw it to you guys. So the one I've got is one of the final lines of this episode. When Plo Koon says to Anakin, I am suggesting that if you trained her well, she will take care of herself and find a way back to you. I think that was just quite... A, a nice line, an appropriate line to use to Anakin, where it sums up the fact that he needs to become far more detached to his Padawan, and um, with the music swelling in the background as well. I think it was quite an impactful 
impactful line to to finish off the first part of this arc. But I'll throw it to you guys with your quotes. All right. Well, Ben, if, if you don't if you don't have a favorite quote, you can always go with favorite moment. Um, because this, this we'll pull the curtain back. This was kind of a last minute thing to get Ben on this week. Um, but uh, do you have a favorite quote? Well, I actually, from- I actually have a little favorite quote. Oh, um, good. Good. Just looked this one up real quick, and I reminded me of how much I love this aspect that I didn't talk about. Was um, it's Sugi's line? And I know it's mm-hmm. kind of a thing, but yes. it, it's kind of out there. But it's make it quick, General. We're charging by the minute. If my ship gets damaged, it'll cost you extra. I love this aspect of this episode, Wookiee Hunt, because it's like they they you know the the Wookiees caught a cab to yeah. <laughs> to this planet to rescue. They don't have their own ships. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a hilarious little aspect. I love that they threw that little bit in there. Um and you you see the little um what's the name what's the name of their ship? I can't remember. Um but it's um it's the same ship from the Bounty Hunters episode, which is great. And you have that little yeah. thing. They they pull they pull it, you know, you see the Wookiee show up, but it's not just them, it's the Bounty Hunters show up. It's you have Sugi, which you were not expecting. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and for me, um the line that it was Jinx, I think. It's either Jinx or Omar. I, I, I get those two confused. Um, when he says, we'll, we'll do it the Wookiee way. I just, yeah. I just love that line. I thought that was great. Um, and it really described the next, you know, 15 minutes of the episodes where it was all it was all Chewy and, and Ahsoka all the time. And it was, it was great stuff. Great stuff. And Kieran, do you have one more? I, I know you were searching through your notes there. I have one more indeed. And I was not searching through my notes. I was searching <laughs> through IMDb. No, I'm not <laughs> Same here. I, <laughs> I, the, I wrote the one that I've got at the is, is at the end of Wookie Hunt as well. So it's at the end of these episodes that I find the most impactful quotes. And it's when Ahsoka Tano is talking with a Master Anakin, and she says, "When I was out there alone, all I had was your training and the lessons you taught me. And because of you, I did survive. And not only that." I was able to lead others to survive as well. And then she says, her thank you. And I think that was just quite a nice line, actually. Again, just to show the bond between those two characters and how they've grown together, not just individually, but as a unit, you can see how they're able to accept that they have developed as characters. They've developed as a consequence of the war and they're able to respect that from each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's let's wrap it up here with our final thoughts and score out of ten for this arc, uh, Ben. Uh, why don't you go first? Uh, score out of ten for this arc and, and your final thoughts. Well, I these episodes I thoroughly enjoyed this. I think I've seen especially Wookiee Hunt. I don't know how many times I watched it after, and it, that's kind of the way it is with like all the season finales. You know, that's the last episode you get, and it's usually the most fun. So you yeah. end up watching it until the next season comes out. <laughs> but this one just, I continually, if I'm going to go back and watch an episode of the Clone Wars, it's going to be either this one or a few others. That's just how it is. Um, I give this one, I give this one 9 out of 10. Honestly, there's not much wrong with these episodes. They're fantastic. <laughs> and just culminating all these different things. You have Ahsoka, you have these Padawans, you have Yoda, uh, Wookiees, um, and Yoda, of course. But, you know, a little bit. Um, and just they they mix it up all together really nice, giving this great homage to a movie that I haven't seen. Um, <laughs> but it's it's great, and I kind of you know I love that you know for 
not just for people like me, but maybe people younger than me that haven't seen this. And, you know, I'm sure it's a classic movie there, but um, just having, like, I kind of want to see it now. I want to see how they've done this. And taking this concept, which is really something fantastic in the Star Wars that's what I love about the Star Wars universe, just to begin with, is because they have things like this, and they have these, they just take certain things, and that's the genius of George Lucas, really, is that he just takes certain things that you wouldn't necessarily expect from kind of the real world, but also other fiction, and puts a Star Wars spin on You can basically take anything and put a Star Wars spin on it, and this is one of those great examples. Um, and, you know, just the overall character development of Ahsoka, the development between Anakin and Ahsoka is great. Um, Chewbacca got just... I'm almost sad that we didn't get to see more of Chewbacca because I think he was portrayed so well in this in this arc. Um, so, you know, and, you know, I'm looking forward to maybe, you know, you got the same crew working on Rebels, so, and I think we will might, we might see Chewie in Rebels, and hopefully maybe they'll take a cue from what they did here. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Uh, Kieran, uh, final thoughts and score out of 10 for this arc. Okay, final thoughts for these two episodes. Padawan Lost and Wookiee Hunt. Absolutely fantastic episodes to round off what was a great ending to the second half of season three. We had the Night Sisters, Mortis, the Citadel, and this Trandoshan arc. And I think overall, it was just absolutely fantastic as Ben has decided we touched upon Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship. Uh, of course, the Trandoshans and seeing how their whole species works and actually how it functions, particularly with regards to hunting these Jedi for sport. And then on top of that, we get to see the introduction of Chewbacca, which was just fantastic. And I cannot applaud the Clone Wars any more than the fact that they, 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 they executed it absolutely perfectly. So thank you very much, Clone Wars. And also, I think it's important to mention Kevin Kiner. I think there are a number of late motifs which were alluding to the Force theme, which I think were put in exactly at the right time, particularly that scene. I know no one mentioned that quote in the end, but that scene where Ahsoka says, it's a Wookiee, it's just absolutely executed to perfection. So well done, Clone Wars team, for doing and for implementing another outstanding arc. And it gives a rating, in my opinion, of 8.5 out of 10. Dominic, over to you. All right, well... First off, let me say, um, you guys are both wrong. The correct answer is this arc gets a 10 out of 10 because it is amazing. Um, so if, if for no other reason than the fact that they pulled off Chewie perfectly, but they also had such great story arc with Ahsoka and some interesting stuff with Anakin in there. Anakin dealing with the fact that he can't help Ahsoka in this situation, that he has to trust her on her own. And it was interesting to see Plo Koon acting as a bit of a mentor for Anakin. It was a different change of pace from seeing from always seeing obi-wan trying to you know still be anakin's master and and i thought that was a really interesting uh, note um also the animation in this arc was just kicked up a notch all of the the dust and the uh, and the dirt on all the characters uh the little birds doing their thing the bugs in there it was so well layered so well put together really really well done and of course the Trandoshans all looked great um the lighting was phenomenal the music was great as you guys mentioned 
the, uh, the Chewbacca reveal scene, of course, was great. But also, um, when Ahsoka first is is on her own, you get another um, hit of the Ahsoka theme, and that's a that's a theme that I never really noticed until they used it at the end of season five there on the credits. And ever since it was sort of like pointed out blatant to, blatantly to me, I've been noticing it throughout these arcs. It was in their last arc. It was in this this one. And who knows, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it shows up in the next one uh, when we talk about the, uh, the, the Moncala arc. And also, also that uh, that Trandoshan uh, hall of artifacts was just so great. So many cool Easter eggs in there. So many different aliens. I love seeing the Wampa fur in there. I thought that was really cool. There was the Rancor head. Um, there was the, the, the Crystal Skull from the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, <laughs> there were some, some spikes that looked very Zillow Beast-esque. Um, and also, uh, an old school Mandalorian helmet, like taken right off the pages of Knights of the Old Republic, the, the comic book series. I thought that was really cool to, to include that in there. Nice little nod to the history of Mandalore. And, you know, that may, that those stories of, of the Knights of the Old Republic may be legends now, but, you know, there are those hints in there, ne- there, uh, of, that they could be, they could be part of the official story, or they could go back. Uh, and tell new stories uh, sat in that time with similar armor uh, I thought that was re- it was a really nice addition I thought that was really cool and yeah just overall such a such a great arc and absolutely worthy of a, a 10 out of 10 alright so thank you everybody so much for listening don't forget you can catch new episodes of this show every other Tuesday uh, on StarWarsUnderworld.com uh, Star Wars Underworld iTunes feed and of course our Facebook page Facebook.com slash Clone Wars Strikes Back don't forget to like us there. We're always posting cool new Clone Wars stuff that you. Uh, so if you want a little bit of Clone Wars in your newsfeed, uh, be sure to like us there. Also follow on Twitter at TCW Strikes Back at and Six at Ben Heart Attack, and that's a heart without the e. It's H A R T. Not the organ. No, not the art. Not the organ. It's his last name, people. And then of course. Uh, at Dominic J25 uh, to keep up with what all the stuff that we're doing. Uh, ben, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to finally get you on. Uh, oh, it was a pleasure. Yeah. You 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 also host another podcast, the the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so um, we I started a podcast with my good buddy Zach Arnold a few months ago this last this past year, and uh, we've been having a lot of fun talking about other things besides. We have actually did the Clone Wars a few months back, like I mentioned, but um, we also talked about a lot of other things. We talked about Arrow this past week. We're going to be talking about Doctor Who this coming up week. Oh, can I be um, on that? <laughs> I tried! <laughs> and we've got some awesome stuff going on towards the end of the year and, of course, into 2015, so it's going to be awesome. And you should listen at 11 p.m. Eastern on Channel 1138 right here on Saturday after – I want to say afternoon, but it's it's, it's nighttime. It's, we do it late. This is a late show. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, almost, it's, almost like, it's almost like watching The Tonight Show just on Saturday and – slightly earlier than that um, but yeah uh, be sure to check that out on channel 1138.com saturdays at 11 p.m eastern uh kieran why don't you let us know what's coming up on expression fm this week very very busy week as usual with expression fm tomorrow we have got tuesday night sport but by the time this is released tuesday night sport will be on the night so <laughs> please please do get in touch with that it's at 7 30 p.m until 
10pm and it's talking about all the football news. We're commentating on all the Champions League games, the European Champions League games which are taking place. But I think the big event that we've got on Wednesday, it, it comes around annually. It's definitely one of our biggest events of the year. It's the Boxing Varsity. So we have boxers coming down from all different unis around the United Kingdom. They come down to Exeter and they fight with each other. It's pretty simple, but <laughs> we will be commentating on that and I, I I will also be there commentating on that I did it last year it was so much fun cannot wait to do it again and it will actually be broadcast not just live on the radio but live on what we have here called XTV so you'll actually be able to see video of everything going out live as well so nice. you know, if you haven't actually seen me in person then you'll be able to see that for the first time it's from 6.30pm till 12am over here, so that's pretty late for us, which means for those people in Canada and America, it'll actually be quite a, a hospitable time for you yeah, guys right, right to actually tune after, in. Right in the middle of the afternoon. It's, it's lovely over here. <laughs> exactly. That's perfect for you guys. Well, we'll be shattered by midnight. You guys will just be going into a nice evening meal, probably. Yeah, so exactly. You can tune into that while you're having your dinner, and we'll be shattered and probably about to fall over at some point. So, so please do tune into that. That's expression this week. Cannot wait to get involved with that. Dominic, over to you. Yes. Well, you and Ben have got your own podcast to uh, yeah. to disclose as well. Yeah. Also, uh, don't forget to listen to the Star Wars Underworld podcast. That's the podcast Ben and I do with oh, yeah. pal Chris, who you've heard on this show uh, before a few times. Uh, we talk everything Star Wars. Uh, we've been talking, of course, about The Force Awakens, of course, about Rebels. Uh, there's some standalone film news this week that we'll be getting into. Uh, it's recorded live on Thursdays at 9 p.m. on channel 1138.com. Uh, you can also uh, catch it the following day on the iTunes feed. And if you subscribe to the Star Wars Underworld podcast iTunes feed, you get that you get that show, you get this show for the price of one, and that price is completely free. So you can't beat that. You can't complain. Uh, and if you're over there and you like the shows. Uh, leave us a, a nice iTunes review. That would be great as well. Um, so, yeah, be sure to check that out. And between shows, be sure to hit up StarWarsUnderworld.com for all the latest breaking Star Wars news, including, as I mentioned before, The Force Awakens, Rebels, standalone films, Battlefront. And every now and again, we still get some Clone Wars news. They've been posting these great video Q&As from the uh, – or, or videos of the Q&A from uh, the – uh, Lost Missions premiere screening, which was, you know, back in March. They're just posting them now, but there's some interesting stuff with uh, Dave Filoni, uh, Matt Lanter, and Tom Kane talking Clone Wars. You can never get enough of that. Also, that soundtrack is available, so uh, be sure and uh, download that from iTunes. It's only like 10 bucks, and you get like 20, 20 songs. It's absolutely phenomenal and really great stuff. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time when we're talking about the Mon Cala arc. Uh, the premiere of season four. Thanks everybody for listening and may the force be with you.